Hello. Welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. Before I kick off this podcast, quick shout out to our sponsor, Kent CBD. As you know, I'm a huge advocate for CBD as it helps with, well, everything from aches and pains in your muscles, joints, ligaments, to your mental health, eating disorders, sleeping disorders, depression, anxiety, PTSD, the lot, the list goes on and on and on. I use it. I use the muscle rubs. At the minute, I use it for my ankles, my knees, and now my hands. My hands are starting to ache. It's not very nice. But I give it a good rub with a CBD muscle rub, and it is brilliant. It really works. Not only that, I use the oil. I use the oil before I do a podcast to help calm any sort of anxiety that I have, if I have any. I also use it before I go to sleep. The reason for that is it helps calm me down before I go to sleep and I can get a better sleep, thus having a better morning, thus having a better day. And this all is helped through its journey through CBD. And I use the best out there, in my opinion, Kent CBD. Now, what I'm going to give for you, I'm going to give you 10% off. Yeah, because I'm nice. Go all the way to the end with all your products. Put in the promo code GRANITE0, all one word, at checkout, and get yourself 10% off. You are welcome. But joining me today is a pioneer in women's mixed martial arts. The first woman to ever step foot in the UFC octagon. Not only that, is now fighting on the 22nd of April in Hawaii for the Bellator Flyweight Championship. So without further ado, welcome to the Granite Zero podcast, Liz Carmouche. Still never going to get used to that recording in progress thing. <laughs> Liz, welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. Thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having me. Ah, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. However, I almost fucked up again. <laughs> so I was here eight o'clock my time going, where the fuck is Liz? It's now nearly 30 minutes. And I noticed that you you like said, yeah, the code's all good. I'll see you then. I was like, what's going on? Right, I need to check the time. So I went put in Pacific time in the, in my phone, and I was like, "Well, that's nine o'clock my time." And I was like, "Our clocks go forward for British summertime." Yeah, <laughs> what is that thing? I don't get it. They do the same thing here, and all it does is just 
messed my son up. Where he's like, no, no, the sun's still out. It's not bedtime. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm sorry. Like, it's kids do the same. They do the same. Well, they. But there's no, for a while when we left. Uh, some of the clocks where he could see it, like his level. Mm. We left him to the old times. We're like, yeah. Not only is it bedtime, it's way past bedtime. And he's like, yeah. I guess I go to bed. I'm just not tired at all. I'm like, so weird. My wife uh, cut that out. She didn't think it was funny to mess with them. <laughs> it is funny. So should have carried on. Yeah, my, mine are on. Um, they're they're on school holidays now for Easter. Um, so they're like, so we can stay up later now. It's like. You don't go to bed when we tell you to anyway. They're pains yeah. in the ass. We send them to bed. They come down at least four or five times for a drink, for another it's cuddle. Like, I'm it's- so thirsty. I'm going to die if I don't get another sip of water. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we told we, – we, it's the same every night. Do it before you yeah. go to bed. And they're like, oh, well, okay. And then the next night, and we're just, we just deal with it now. To be yeah. fair, they're, they're good as gold, but – my wife's got work tomorrow and I've got work. So they've got to go to a friend's house. So we're like, you've got to have a normal bedtime because you've got to get up early like the rest of us. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. We'll get up. Yeah. Hey, all right. Then you're just going to be grumpy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Yeah, my... How's fight camp? Uh, fight camp's been great. Um, I mean, fight camp has now been since September. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, we... <laughs> We got in word. I mean, Scott had said that if I put on a good performance, came out with a strong finish, that uh, that either myself or Watanabe would be in title contention. I yeah. finished the fight 30 seconds. So that put me in exactly where I needed to be with contention and anticipation of uh, what was expected a December fight. So I kind of rested, healed up, helped my buddy get ready for his fight and prolonged my fight camp. I'm like, I'll start in September. I'll have plenty of time, be ahead of the power curve. December came around, they're like, next month. The January came around, next month, next month. So I've been in fight camp since September. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did notice you're, you're on a bit of a, a winning streak as well. And I was like, surely she's got to be entitled to a title soon. Yeah. It's got to, it's got to be, surely. Because I was like, that, that's got to happen. But this is now going to be the, the third attempt at a world title. Yeah. Third time's, third time's a charm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> lessons i've learned from all the mistakes uh before yeah and i, I think well I, I, this is me just speculating now obviously the first one there was a lot of a lot of pressure going in being the you guys headlined as well didn't you You and ronda headlined so the first one was actually uh marlo's conan i'd only been training for eight months to her 10 years at that time mm. uh, then the second one again facing ronda at that point i've been training and fighting for three years and she was an olympian that's been doing it since she was four yeah. so again a little bit out of out of waters inexperienced but just trying to put in the best effort possible and at that time it was really difficult to find people that were um proficient at judo i could find people that were good in, in jiu-jitsu but even then they were usually significantly larger than myself if they were able to offer anything and kind of fight off uh, or put me in arm bars and allowed me an opportunity to defend it off. It wasn't really people my size I could find that. And I could not find anybody that was offering an opportunity for judo that was close enough for me. At that time, I couldn't afford to travel to go train. Yeah, of course. Different time back then. Yeah, different time. And then um, I think a lot of people think like, oh, well, you were top range to be making money. I was like, no, I was barely making groceries. And I was... Yeah 
between work and going to training sessions and not really had no downtime. That's what a lot of people assume as well. They're like, oh, they're they're fighting. They're on the telly. They're they're <laughs> in the public uh, public figures. It's like, yeah, they got also got to earn the money. It's not just handed to them. Yeah, and I, you know, a lot of people. I mean, until recently, I haven't been able to make a life out of fighting. You know, um, there was I would say for quite a few years where the cost of the licensing, the medicals, the travel, the time I put into fight camp, I was paying to fight for years. There was it was it wasn't breaking even. It wasn't like making a little bit of money. You know, I was losing money every single time that I fought, and it was really just for the passion, for the love of wanting to be the best in the world. I wouldn't say until Bellator really that I can make a living from fighting mm. and was doing, uh, had reached a point in a pinnacle of my career where it was helping pay the bills and I could actually take time to go train with other coaches and go travel to do things and stuff. It just wasn't an option. I was uh, running and operating a gym full time. And if I wasn't in the gym for myself training, I was training other people. So I was really yeah. doing the gym life anywhere from 12 to 18 hours a day. That's a, that's a shift. I moan at 12 hours. <laughs> I, moan at, I moan at my job now, but yeah. That's a, that's a massive thing, really, is that a lot of people, including myself, you don't really see what goes on in, in the behind the scenes. You, yeah. see, you see the occasional, we'll, call, we'll use the UFC, for example, they do like the countdown show mm -hmm. and they, they, they glamorize it. It looks all good, but that's like a small portion of the whole entire fight camp yeah and even you know like the countdown gives you a little bit of behind the scenes and look into what everything consists of but i still don't think they do their due, due diligence of explaining how much effort and work really goes into the lifestyle of being a fighter and how much sacrifice how much it's i mean i, I know very few fighters are able to do this full time especially as yeah. a female fighter it's you have other lives or you're married and your significant others helping support your career and your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's only sort of really now that it's starting to take this more of a shine to the women's side of mixed martial arts. There's sort of now people are starting to stand up and recognize the talent, the, well, the everything that you guys put through. Yeah, no, it's funny. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about it, and they say that you know, um, the guy was like, "Wait, you, what are you doing here? You're Liz Carmouche." And I was like, "Oh, my <laughs> wife is looking for a property. She's always always has her eyes ahead and looking for something new." Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, just she's healing right now from a surgery, so we can't really go out and do anything crazy. Oh, yeah, so yeah. she'll open houses. Yeah. And so he went to an open house, and he's like, "Female fights." He's like, "That's what I tune in for." And his son was there and his son is like, in all honesty, like, he's like, it's embarrassing to say, but it's the same thing for me. I tune in because the female fights are the most exciting. It's like, it seems like you guys go out there and sacrifice everything. That's what I was about to say. It's as though the, the, the women fighters have got more of a point to prove now. So they go out yeah, and give it their all. We, we could use, um, we could use Meatball Molly, for example, her last fight in, in London. And she even mentioned yourself and, and Rhonda is the reason why she, started doing mixed martial arts you saw that your guys fighting and headlining in in that show and was like wow that's something that i need to be doing yeah how's that how's that make you feel that you're a pioneer of the sport uh you know it's crazy it's it's really not something i think about until somebody points it out uh like my nephew's in school and he's like hey you're in my textbook 
by the way. I'm like, I'm in your class. All right. So like, oh, you know, it's it's moments like that when people say they approach me like, hey, you're the reason I'm training with them. I'm not thinking about it. It's like, hey, nice to meet you. We just go on and train at the end of the session. Like, I'm sorry, I was so starstruck. Like, what? I didn't, I didn't notice that. Like, you're the whole reason that I got into training and to be able to train with you. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. You know, you don't. And especially when I feel like some of the women, I'm facing them. Like, these aren't just like, oh, they're up and comers. No, these are the top stars that everybody now knows their names. And to think that they have anything to do with their, their steps into that dream is crazy. Yeah. And you're, you're now the OG. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Less of the old, less of the old. <laughs> how, do, how does um how does your son feel about you about the fighting and whatnot? <laughs> um, he doesn't. I just don't think he gets it. I mean, just a few weeks ago, he asked my wife. He's like, "Hey, when is mommy gonna grow up?" She said, like, when is mommy gonna grow up? Like, when is she gonna get like a real job where she sits in a computer and she's like. No. <laughs> Well, just, you know, like so-and-so's dad and so-and-so's mom. And then I came home and I asked him about it. And he's like, well, he's just, you train all day. And I train. I'm like, you train for 45 minutes and you goof off. I train for six hours a day. I'm like, the house we live in? Fighting did that when we went to <laughs> go to the state for Colorado to do a fundraiser for this, this medical fundraiser. I'm like, fighting did that. The bicycle that you're riding? Fighting did what do you mean a real job? My job. <laughs> but I was like, just to be clear, I'm never going to grow up and I never want to sit behind a computer. I hate doing that. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the Marine in you as well. You're definitely never growing up. Yeah, no, never. No, I've had a Peter Pan complex my entire life. I'm never growing up. Uh, so, yeah, so no, it's it's weird. He doesn't quite get it. And the same thing, like all... Um, somebody like a blue belt was telling him something in jiu-jitsu and he's like did you hear what he said I'm like yeah he was all wrong <laughs> like no uh-oh he's like isn't that isn't he so cool he's a blue belt i'm like i'm a black belt i'm a black belt come on <laughs> and for him so, like he trains in the geese so when he gets yeah. to see it, it's, it's important to him to see when he sees belts that's what for him signifies your importance and yeah, yeah. where you stand, where your standing is. And so he never sees me in the gi. I do not train gi. When I'm done with fighting, I will train gi. Um, but for right now, I don't want to do it. And I don't want to create any of these bad habits that are going to inhibit anything in yeah, fighting. Yeah. Well. So I don't touch the gi. So for him, he's never seen me with my belt on. He's never seen me in the gi. So it just goes completely over his head. Um, so, <laughs> well, yeah, he, hey, I hey, mean, hey, even, little dude. I earned yeah. my black belt. You, you, you watch the space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had asked him, I was like, hey, how would you feel if somebody came up and they asked to take a picture with me? He's like, why would somebody ask to take a picture with you? Yeah. I'm like, you don't pay attention, but every day that we go out, somebody stops us and he just keeps on going, butterfly attention. I was like, yeah. I was like, well, some people might say I'm famous. He's like, why are you famous? <laughs> I was the first woman to step foot in the Octagon, damn it. <laughs> you know, so there's that, but I also, I love it because he really is, he gets to enjoy his life and he's yeah. not, there's, you know, it, like when my nephew was around and he was, I mean, 
when he was really getting to be more involved and seeing everything going on, he was training at my gym. I taught his jiu-jitsu class. I taught his MMA class. I teach a striking class from time to time. Um, his mom and I would always do privates and beat each other up and I'll laugh about it and everything. Um, so he grew up so much in the gym and getting to see my career spout up and turn into what it was. And uh, I'm like, man, I feel like it, at some point we're going to have to explain to him why people keep asking to take pictures and be like, hey, little dude, do you mind moving out of the way? And he took it so much differently. So like to see my son kind of at the same age yeah. and just completely unaware, uh, you know, because I'm like, man, I, I don't, you know, like we're going to have to tell Aiden that what's going on. She's like, I think he'll be okay with it, but maybe we shouldn't tell him and just let him live his own life. But then his friends are coming up to him. They're like, hey, your aunt is Liz Carmouche. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, cheers for that. <laughs> he's, like, away he's, like, he's like, yeah, it's so weird. He got an invite to spend the night over. And it's like, oh, because they know who your aunt is. It's not really authentic for Aiden. So he had a better understanding. I think that kind of helped prepare me for my son. And then we yeah. also just wanted him to have a whole separate life and we yeah, wanted I, him to keep if he wants to pursue martial arts to have no influence from me that it was yeah. simply something he wanted to do like hey he's really big into building yeah let's go full bore into that and he never has to know about my fighting career yeah. because in, see i don't ever want him to fight i'd love for him to yeah I've, I've heard that a lot from from fighters with kids that they're like well i don't really want i'm fighting so that my kids don't have to fight yeah which, which is amicable, really. It's awesome. Like, you're putting your body on the line so that they've got a better life, you might, you could say. So they don't need to fight and struggle, which is awesome. It's also that uh, he has, he and my wife both have a rare heart disease. Oh. And, um, yeah, and so, like, every, every year for her, it's just another year that we're grateful for because it's never a guarantee. All the medications, the surgeries... It's all experimental every time that she does something. And yeah. she's through it because uh, usually <sighs> the gene for the, the heart disease activates at puberty. So my son has it, but it hasn't activated yet. Potentially, yeah, yeah. on the best case, it never activates. And he really just has this dormant heart disease. It'll never turn into something. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Fingers it more than likely will activate at puberty. Hmm. So she goes through all the experimental medications and surgeries, hoping that they'll understand more for if his does activate at puberty, what to do with him and to prepare him. So it's in his best interest to never get involved in sports because like for her, she can't get cleared by medical boards to be able yeah. to compete May and she fell in love with him. That's how we met. And so for my son, I don't want him to, to fall in love with sports and never be able to yeah, go then, for it. has yeah. a potential. If has potential, doesn't matter. But but to have that passion and to have it cut off simply because of heart disease. I mean, my wife is super skilled, tough as hell, hits like a Mack truck, has a wrestling background, all of a sudden the only thing stopping her is a heart disease yeah. that she's learned to work with, right? And so I, I would hate for him, and it's for both of us, for him to fall in love with something that, one little thing is holding him back. Yeah, that's, when he that's, that's got to be hard. My um, my wife's cousin has got a. Uh, he's I'm not. I think he was born with a hole in his heart, so he's been through loads of different surgeries to try and fix it and and whatnot. Yeah. And he's he's now coming up to being eighteen, and he is he well he towers over me. It's not hard because I'm I'm only five foot six. But he ta he's he's literally eighteen and he towers over me. He he he, la he asked me if I can get on any rides at, if we go to the theme parks and things like that. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you might be taller than me, but I'll drop you, motherfucker. But <laughs> I remember him being this cheeky little 
kid growing up that was in love with with soccer as it is over here. He loves he loves he loves football. He loves everything about it, but he wasn't able to get that much involved because every now and then he would have to go off and have another surgery and, and things like that. And it was quite heartbreaking to see. Yeah. It must be it must be horrible for you to go through like you've got your wife and your son potentially to have have this thing. Yeah, it's super scary, especially uh like my wife not even two weeks ago. Um it's been a week as of today. Uh went through an emergency heart surgery. Her pacemaker failed. And so they had to rush her. She went in for a test and they ended up rushing her into emergency surgery to replace a pacemaker. Uh, and up until that point, she's always used the pacemakers like her fallback. Well, hey, I can do that. No big deal. Yeah. If uh, anything goes wrong, at least I have this pacemaker. And I'm like, I really don't like that you say that, like a fallback. And then all of a sudden, yeah. she's like, so all those times where I said, at least I'm a pacemaker, I didn't know that this could happen. I was assured 10 years guaranteed this will never happen. And here it is only four or five years into it. And her pacemaker gave out. Yeah. Um, so that's super scary. And now that ended up in, we'd anticipated at the end of the year, she was going to have another heart surgery, but it was something that we were anticipating. And it they have a new heart, heart surgery. They're trying out to cut out all the diseased heart that's been growing. And uh, potentially she's not the battery for the pacemaker. So all in one, all inclusive. This was unanticipated. So that means she's potentially having two surgeries in one year. And just more and more, she feels it on her body and it's just taking time away from her. That is madness. Um, yeah. Trying to get my head around it. So you're going through all that as well as getting ready yeah. for a title fight. You're, yeah. you're, you're like that, that reel with the bloke that goes, I'm built different. You're built different. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a lot of resilience coming through there to stay focused, but also... So you're focused on the fight, but also you've still got the the ability to be there for your loved ones as well. Because obviously being in fight camp can be quite selfish from what I've heard. No, no, no. It absolutely is selfish. And and my wife, like I said, she competed as an amateur MMA fight. But watching my career, she, she said, she's like, look, if you need to go stay in an RV, go do something and just focus on your fight camp and be as selfish as possible to succeed. Absolutely do it. And that's kind of what we were saying. One of our friends has an RV and we were planning on maybe just go stay there. You don't have to help with any, because we have, she has a pony, a horse, a goat, multiple dogs, cats. Like we have all the animals to take care of as well. Like scooping their manure every morning, feeding them every morning, exercising them, all this stuff that we add into the mix. And uh, she's like, so that way you can just focus and the surgery happens. She's like, I am so sorry. It's like, there's nothing you can do. Plus our son's in school. So I'm like, all right get him to school or get him to his dad so he can take him to school, take care of all the animals, take care of my wife. Uh, and she's like, I don't know how you're doing. I'm like, just got to keep going. It's just the key is momentum. Be like a vehicle. As long as the vehicle is in motion, we're good. Once we stop, I know I'm going to crash. But for right now, just right keep now, it you, Yeah, you've got so much going on. So there's going to be a hell of an after party after that fight. <laughs> 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 everyone's gonna think you'll be partying you're not you're gonna be sleeping you're gonna be like uh catching some zeds yeah, on the beach in hawaii just crashed because <laughs> the fight is in hawaii isn't it is, is it's it in hawaii. yeah yeah oh that's fucking brilliant aren't they still backwards over there with all the whole covid thing yeah, yeah. Still, still backwards yeah. and we were looking because I'm, I'm a big foodie and so one of the things like as i'm doing cardio and stuff i'm looking up all the food places and like yeah. 
picking out what I think I'm going to eat after my fight, right? Which is always the case. And then once I rehydrate, the fight's done. I'm like, yeah, I don't really care that much. As long as I eat, I'm happy. But like before the fight, when you're being super strict with food, you're like, I'm going to eat at this restaurant at one o'clock, then this restaurant at four o'clock. And, <laughs> and so I'll be doing my cardio and like mapping out all the food stuff. And as I looked it up, trying to see like, do they require reservations? What the deal is? Uh, they're saying that you even need COVID tests or your vaccination, proof your vaccination card or yeah. a negative COVID test within 24 hours to be allowed to go into the restaurants. And I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Cause California pretty much just go anywhere as if nothing ever happened. Yeah. That, that's pretty much what it's like over here now. Um, at, at one point we were, you need your vaccination passport. You need all this, blah, 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 blah. And then as soon as I can't remember what date it was, but as soon as that date hit, it was like, Oh, it's gone. And now, Thanks to Russia, there's no more COVID apparently. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I say that. To be fair, from what I've read, I've tried to stay away from the news as much as I can at the minute because it, yeah. it it pisses me off, and I know most of it is bollocks. Um, but it's it's like we've got we've now reached a new record high of COVID cases. But it's like it's just a bad cold now. Yeah, that's what that's what it seems like, because both my two daughters have had it the last when was it or last week, the week before they both had it. They had they had a bit of a cough, a bit of a cold. That was about it. Me and my wife still haven't had it. Two years undefeated. <laughs> it's this madness. It's like I'm, I'm now waiting just to go. Can I have it just so I can say I had it because it's pissing me <laughs> off now. Like. Everybody else is getting it. I feel left out. <laughs> and this new this new variant is pretty much its own vaccine anyway, from what I've heard. Yeah. But but yeah, it's madness. So did in, in Bellator itself, did the did the fighters get told that they had to get vaccinated or was it your own choice? No. Uh, so Bellator, regardless if you have your vaccination or not, they do their COVID bubble. Excellent. Which I'm totally cool. If you go out a few days in advance, you have to quarantine in your hotel room. You can only go from your hotel room to where their office is. They do their COVID tests. They check your temperature, check weight, do your interviews, go back up to your room. That's it. And and you're not allowed to, until the fight's done. Once the fight's done, do whatever you want. But at the same time, like that's great for me because I'm always in consideration of my wife and getting her sick. Yeah, yeah, so. There's the risk to her heart disease. So I was like, hey, I have no issues. You want to just stay in my hotel room? And all I'm allowed to do is work out and stay in my hotel room? Cool with me. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. What, you mean I don't have to mingle with other people? Oh, really? no. Yeah, oh, exactly. God. God help me. I can't mingle with other people. Yeah, it's, it's I always have that uh, that no guilt feeling knowing that I can go home and it's COVID-free. I'm not bringing anything yeah, home. No, because that's, that's the main thing, I think. Yeah, because everybody in the organization has done such due diligence. Uh, what Bellator has done is basically uh, we have check-ins that you have to do every day if you don't have your vaccination record. So Sorry. if you have proof of vaccination, then you just do your COVID tests. You don't have to go downstairs and go check your temperature and do a questionnaire every day. But I already go to go check my weight anyway every morning on their scale just to verify. So it's just it wouldn't matter. It's like, well, I can show you my vaccination card, but if I'm going to go down there to check my weight, you might as well just check my temperature anyway. And go through the questionnaire. I don't mind. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. What, what was it like? A couple of minutes to get it all done. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah, we 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 test now. It's 
it's quite difficult to get a test now. It's a pain in the ass. You have to go through online to get it sent to you. And anyway, um, yeah. but we do it, especially after the girls had it. We were like, well, we better do a quick test, not just to make sure we were all right, but we, my wife especially, will see her granddad every morning, more or less. Because he's, yeah. I, w- I wish, I, I never really grew up with a granddad, but if I did, I wish he was him. He makes her lunch for work every day. This guy's like oh, wow. 85, I think, maybe a bit older. Every day, he'll make her lunch. You make a little packed lunch. She goes and picks it up. I don't think he does it for any of the other grandchildren that <laughs> hopefully are listening. But yeah, he, he does it every day. And she'll go and pick him up. Or he'll walk um, her nan round to drop it off. Her nan has got really bad um, dementia and um, Alzheimer's. She, yeah. She's... Through the 14 years that I've been with my wife, there's been a massive, like, plummet in her mental status. When, when I first saw her, you wouldn't even know it was the same person. It's it's quite scary, in fact. Like, she doesn't even talk very much anymore, sort of mumbles. Yeah. Every now and yeah. then, she, like, every now and then there's a little spark and she appears. Like, a, a bit of music will set her off. But it's little things like that. So my, my wife won't go and see him unless she's had a test and things like that. It's, That's awesome. Like, like you say, the due, dil- due diligence. It's easy for you to say. I can't even say it. Me <laughs> making up words again. <laughs> I keep doing that. I keep making up words on it. <laughs> I think that my last one was inaccurate. I still can't even say it. Inaccurate. But anyway, that's me. That, that's me done. I've had too many whiskeys already. Um, <laughs> but it's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> so you only have a, a a certain amount of time during the day now obviously you've got free time and then it's focus time yeah and it's um like this week in particular bellator and my management just and that's usually how it goes about anywhere from two to three weeks out is when all the media is like hey we want to do interviews do you have this time available? And I'm, I'm like, I used to compromise and say yes. And then I'll just sacrifice some sleep and do it at this time and mm. reschedule my training at this time. Now I'm like, no, this is my schedule. If you want to squeeze in at this time, I can work in. If not, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I've learned it lost me fights by making those mistakes before. And I'm just yeah, not willing yeah. to do that. Yeah, um, I don't blame you on that. I don't blame you, especially with a fight that of this magnitude and importance. Yeah. You're going, you're going for the gold. You're like, you you can work around me. If you want if you want to talk to me, you work around me. Yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I'm not with my wife and my kid, I'm training. So you've got this slot. And if you can't make it... Yeah, and before it would be like, oh, well, I guess I just won't take my son to gymnastics today. And and that was not fair. That wasn't fair to him. Or just like, oh, yeah, just... Of course take away from like every sunday night we make pizzas together and we usually like an 80s movie and so we try and make our culture as possible like he's going to school talking about kevin bacon asking people if they know who he is it's great yeah my Uh, my, uh my my eldest is really into um stranger things and obviously that's set during the 80s so she's watching these kids ride off on their bikes willy-nilly like (laughs) She's like, why can't I go out on my bike like that? It's like, it's a different time, young lady. It's a different time. (laughs) (laughs) None of us knew better at that time. Now we know better. Yeah. Well, to be fair, 
one of a one of their favorite movies is the the original Ghostbusters movie. Both my girls like right. that. And um, we and what was the other one? Uh, the Goonies. They love the Goonies. <laughs> so it's all these different movies that I grew up watching. Going, these are brilliant. Yeah, my wife had never seen the Goonies. I mean, mind you, so she had her first pacemaker installed. I think at seventeen. I want to say. Um, and so for her, if she gets startled, if her heart rate goes up too much, her pacemaker goes off. Really uncomfortable feeling. Ooh, right. And she's yeah, easily. Yeah. So she hasn't watched a lot of movies. And then as a kid, she's like, I just don't want to watch scary movies, so I won't watch it. So for her, E.T. is scary because there's an alien in it. Uh, she never watched <laughs> because there was a skeleton that popped out. Like all these movies is like, but they're not scary movies. E.T. is not a scary movie. How are you? My, 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 my youngest. That is it my youngest or my one of my kids, whichever one it is. They they're petrified of E.T. That that she's like, I don't understand what it is. I went, he's an alien. There's nothing to understand. She went, but yeah. why is he so weird looking? I went, because he's an alien. <laughs> yeah, my, my youngest is um she she loves Star Wars. So we started Star Wars from episode one. She sort of um, she sort of tapered off where I'm still going. Are we going to watch Star Wars tonight? Getting all excited. She's like, nah, I'm okay. It's like, what? We're only on Rogue One. We've got loads to catch up on. <laughs> yeah, we made it through uh, all the Harry Potters. And my son's like, well, when's the next one? I was like, that that was it. He's oh, like, you got, strange, no. you, got, you, got, you got Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the next one that we have. <laughs> down the 80s kick and that was just such an easy road to fall down yeah yeah to be fair it, i like i like it when you get sort of movie series that are based on the books that you can go yeah. right we're watching this one now we're watching like i don't know whichever one it is goblet of fire which is my favorite <laughs> i think when you first see voldemort properly i always root for the bad guy i'm such a terror i'm such a dad i'm rooting for the bad guy <laughs> even if he is horrible but yeah, my my uh, my daughters are really into uh, Harry Potter. Um, they've got, or my eldest especially, she's reading all the books. She's a proper bookworm, which I love because I I never was. So yeah. watching her read and love books, I'm like, this is brilliant. I wish I could do that. I'm too much. Yeah. I'm, I'm too like thick skull to go. I'm gonna pick up a book and read. Typical infantry infantry person. I can't read that. Fuck off. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she's she's into all the books. So he she read the read the books, watched the movies, and we went to the making of Harry Potter, the big thing in in London, which is awesome. Yeah. She's been there about. The funny thing is, I thought it was some sort of like theme park thing. It's not. It's literally where they film the film the movie. So it's got like all the different areas where they film scenes, and they've got mannequins up wearing the actual clothes. I got bored, not going to lie. I was like, what is this? What I'm going around a museum. They're like, it's the studio. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, a museum, essentially. <laughs> yeah, but one of, my, um, one of my buddies is a close protection officer for Daniel Radcliffe. So we oh. managed to get his autograph. For his, oh, that's cool. He's got two Jessica, love Daniel Radcliffe. She, Oh, she, she almost cried when I gave it to her. She was like, oh, Dad, how did you get this? I went, hey, it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> nice. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. 
So I've got actually a couple of little questions. So obviously you sort of touched on um, a couple of times that you managed to unfortunately lose a fight due to sort of these stupid commitments to talk on podcasts or do media and things like that. How, how did you bounce back from your losses? Or was it just one of those where it's not really a loss, it's more of a lesson and it's part of the journey? Uh, it's it's definitely for me more lessons that are part of the journey. You know, um, there's some of them where I looked at it and I just didn't understand how I lost. I mean, I can remember when I faced Misha Tate and we were backstage and she's like, I I didn't win that fight. You won that fight. I don't understand. I was like, do you want to go tell the judges that? I would love to get this overturned. <laughs> yeah. I also agree. I don't know how. You, she's like, no, I'm still looking to get my paycheck. You know, so it's those ones where that's just really hard when both you and your opponent and every single person approaches you saying the same thing, like, you know, you actually won that fight. Those are the ones that it's a hard lesson to take from yeah. other than understand, like, since I've been a Beltor, I made sure, you know, Venice Saporta was a harder one because she had so much, she had more, more experience than I do finding her and a very tough opponent to be able to, to find an opportunity to finish her. But I've tried with everything in me to make sure that all my fights in Bellator is I don't make those mistakes like I have in the past where I leave it to the judges and we yeah. have to doubt because I want to make sure that I finish every single one. And that's always the lessons that when I, I have a fight where we're all confused on how I lost it, that that's the big takeaway is that finish it, never leave it to the judges because the judges are humans and it could be simply that maybe they like your opponent's clothing more. So they're looking at her and focus on how she's striking rather than the damage done. Or uh, like I make now, whenever I see pictures, I make ridiculous faces and somebody hits me. It could not touch me. And I'm still. Shining. <laughs> yeah. it looks like it damaged me never even close. And it's just little things like that, that um, can cost you a fight in the judge's eyes, even if, everybody including yourself knows that you won the fight um yeah, yeah. so i always have to have takeaways where it's like okay finish the fight those, those are those those moments and even in losses where you know i was just outdone my opponent was far more experienced on that day they were actually better than me so i just need to go back to the drawing board i'm back in the gym on monday trying to figure out the mistakes that i made to improve upon and just to keep growing that's awesome but yeah that, that's definitely what you i, I find that, that is the main thing that a lot of why I like to talk to fighters is because they use it as a lesson. Like I lost here. What can I learn from this loss where, you know, other people go, I lost here. I'm shit. It's like, yeah. well, you're not shit. Are you? Cause you're a professional. <laughs> if that makes sense. And yeah. I think I, that's why I respect, especially mixed martial artists more so in, in that sort of, aspect than than boxers because boxers tend to have that little thing in their head where they have to go undefeated to get the recognition and it's only just sort of recently that people are going oh actually the likes of anthony joshua has just lost twice and he's still pretty good yeah. <laughs> Do you know what i mean it's like the, the boxers were always like oh i gotta go undefeated oh shit i lost now i'm Oh no, what do I do? It's like, well, no, you're still in that top 1%. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, if, if you have a loss and that's what you allow to define you, then yeah, you absolutely lost. You truly lost. If you use that as simply as an opportunity for growth 
and use it as an opportunity to create more drive and to make changes that improve you, then it's not a loss. It's just a lesson. And, and that's really what defines somebody who can have the potential to be great or somebody that's going to be mediocre is if a loss is what ends your career, then not only does your opponent defeat you, they, they didn't just win the, the battle, they won the war. Yeah. And that's what I always think of is these losses is when I watch like some of the, I faced, if I beat them and then they quit after that, I didn't, I just, I didn't just beat them. I destroyed them. Hmm. Because yeah, yeah, you, yeah. And you can't have to go back and, and if, or if you see an opponent where you beat them and then they go on like a six fight losing streak, then yeah, you destroyed them still because you're still in their head. You live there. You created a little yeah. home and you're in their head continually. So long-term, you're still winning. And that's what I always look at is I'll never let an opponent defeat me long-term. There's a lesson to be learned, drop them off where the fight happened and continue moving forward and growing because I'm not going to let them be a free ride on my backpack and continue shaping my life. Yeah. That, that's it. That's a huge, huge statement as well is, is getting into their head after, after winning or beating them that much that they're gone completely. That is that's a hell of a statement as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, I beat someone so much they retired. And you, you sort of could see that with, with well, we can use Rhonda. Like after her loss to Holly Holm, she was not the same. And I think yep. even then she was sort of one, one foot in, one foot out. She was act, doing, her, doing her acting. She was sort of getting involved in WWE and all the other stuff. She was a, this huge star and it's like, oh, you've got lots of yes people around you now and yeah. you're starting to believe your own hype a little bit and then Holly Holm kicked her head off. Rhonda, <laughs> <laughs> a big one really was is in her head she was going out undefeated. There yeah. was no other scenario. She was going to retire undefeated and I think she had painted this storyline and was living it so much so that she had not painted any other options in the chapters of her book. So when she lost, that that like shattered her glass ceiling. And I think yeah. for her, she already already succeeded. She'd made a fortune. She was doing so well outside of fighting, and her foot was kind of already in that door. And when that that glass ceiling broke, it really only left one opportunity for her, and it was everything else that she'd been focusing on. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. That, that's it, it was it was hard to hard to see i know a lot of people sort of celebrated it because of obviously well the, the rousey effect you could say where she, you either loved her or you hated her and i think that kick heard around the world everyone was like ha ha you deserve yeah. that <laughs> and then obviously the 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 whole comeback thing and the ufc were just pushing her and and not her opponent and it was like oh you made a mistake there because she's fighting an absolute beast that's going to yeah. not stop. <laughs> well, I hope, hopefully that you can become the beast and take your opponent's O away on the 22nd. Let's see what happens there because, you know, fighting someone who hasn't lost, they don't, they don't know what it's like to crawl back up from from the bottom <laughs> and i don't think that she's faced adversity in her in her fights yet 
the way that I have. I don't think that she's prepared for what's going to happen on the 22nd. Yeah, to quote um, Chris Eubank, senior, I'm going to take you to the trenches. You don't know what it's like in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let's get it. Let's get it done. So when is it? It's the 20, 22nd, April. Yep, 22nd. That's, that's, that's not even far away. That's literally two days after my brother's birthday. That is... It's two days after my nephew's birthday. Oh, does, does your nephew, nephew happen to understand who he celebrates his birthday with? Uh, we, we've let him know that he's, he shares about Hitler. <laughs> and, and, and Bin Laden. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> he's such a good kid, so it just doesn't fit the bill. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I even mentioned it on my brother's, um, I, I did the best man speech at my brother's wedding. Right. And I was like... I was like, you could, my brother is such a nice guy, but yeah, he shares the birthday with Hitler and oh, and Napoleon. Napoleon's the other one. Yeah, <laughs> too many. What was it with too that many. date? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely unreal. But fight camp is going well. It's going great. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. No, oh, I did notice. I saw on your um. On your Instagram that you did the uh, stem cell, I did, yeah. And that that went that went awesome. It was amazing. <laughs> um, you know, I've had different injuries, different surgeries throughout the career. I mean, I've been doing this for twelve years, yeah. and then five years in the Marine Corps, and uh, just all my research, all the your feedback knees are going to have to love you. Your knees must be loving you right now. And, and I was definitely noticing wear and tear prior to the stem cell and i would say it takes a few months really for the stem cell to truly start to for you to notice the effects of it healing your body yeah. but i'm mean, even cuts where i would say that i trained with the 24 year old and he heals like wolverine he got split open in his fight significantly like his whole eyeball six days later completely sealed up like no evidence that he'd ever been cut and but i was like yeah, needs, if I someone needs to take his genes we'll yeah. We need yeah. to take some of that. <laughs> different cuts, different scratches that happen in training. I noticed just how quickly they're healing. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like little Wolverine over here. Like I have his 24-year-old blood pumping through me. They put in stem cells because I'm healing almost as fast as this kid is. That's, that's what we want. That's what we want. Because yeah, I only really know snippets about stem cell stuff. Obviously through Rogan, listening to Joe mm -hmm. Rogan. Obviously he talks about it all the time how it healed his shoulders and neck mm -hmm. and God knows what else. I was like, wow, that's awesome. And I saw that you had it done. I was like, that's brilliant. I need to know more about that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, when I when I mean when I do the math, um, different surgeries I know friends have had, I've had, we're talking like if you don't have good health insurance, fifty thousand dollars for a surgery. Stem cells don't cost that much, and you're not taking all these risks. I mean, there's so many risks when you go into surgeries. Yeah, yeah, cool. No, it's actually going to fix anything when you come out of it. Right, like uh, Ashley Yoder, perfect example. She had shoulder shoulder surgery, went to the best in the biz, and again a month later she's having shoulder surgery again because it didn't take. Now, thankfully, it's through the UFC, so the cost is all covered by them. Yeah, but yeah. that's not everything, right. And there's just a perfect example. Her body went under it again, and I mean, my wife all the time just says how she can feel like her body gets more worn out every surgery she has. So if yeah, I can yeah. do something to keep myself from having surgeries then it's worth the money to me. And then feeling yeah, as good as I do now, when I've been in fight camps in September, it's a no-brainer for me. Stem cell is amazing. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. 
Like, obviously, your, your body's not designed to be cut open. No. <laughs> and, and attempted to be fixed. It's, yeah. It's, it's a brilliant biological masterpiece where it actually heals itself in a way. So add in, obviously, the stem cells and, and all this sort of stuff. Of course, that's going to work better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a bit like the, the old, all the other stuff with like doping and, and things like that. Like obviously adding extra red and white blood cells into your system. Of course, that's going to make you feel a bit more superhuman. So yeah, it's, I, I just think it's, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. I've got one more quick question. It just popped into my head just then, because obviously um, you're an advocate for the LGBTQI plus few other extra bits that I probably might mess up. Um, so you're, you're probably going to go, dude, I don't want to talk about this. But obviously, that, that I don't I can't remember their name. Um, the trans swimmer. Yes. That, that's, a, that's a huge thing. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, you know, um, I'm all for that if somebody is uncomfortable in their body and they want to make changes, yes. it's your body, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to be that, that person is ever going to say like, no, you can't do this or advocate for that. Um, it's not who I personally identify who is who I am, but there's so many people that are uncomfortable in their bodies for one reason or another. And if this is what's going to make you feel comfortable, do what you need to, right? Um, but at the same time, there is an advantage. I train with men every day and men without a doubt, have a muscular and skeletal advantage over women. There's no, you cannot have the numbers you have in any sports and look at them in comparison and tell yeah. me that that's not true. You just can't. From weightlifting, from speed, all of it, you can just see the difference in numbers. So I think that there needs to be some type of more restrictions put in place. Like if they have yeah. developed a certain age through puberty as they're starting to have that increase of testosterone, or even just like I said before, if MMA and jiu-jitsu had um, a drug organization and a drug-free organization, I'm all for it. If somebody wants to use steroids and cocaine and whatever, anything else they want to pump into the body, and they feel like that's going to help them succeed in a sport, go for it. Let there be a drug zone and a drug-free zone. In the same sense that there should be transgender, transgender people that are competing against each other or have some stipulation about age and development yeah. of the body. So they don't have the skeletal muscular development to help their success, which wouldn't be there had that not been an advantage. Yeah. Well, it was just a, a massive thing, wasn't it? With the, especially, I can't, I do apologize to anyone that can remember the person's name, but I can't remember her, her name, um, the, this, the swimmer. And it's like, you've gone from being 462nd in the male category. You've now gone through the the the, the change and, and now you're a female athlete and now you're number one that that's a massive red flag and you could say the same with uh is it F fallon fox the yeah. mixed martial artist and there, there was another one that i can't remember the name uh -huh. um who was a was a was an army ranger built like a brick yeah. shit house <laughs> Yeah, it was dominating the sport. Like people were going out there, well, Fallon Fox finished up in 37 seconds and broke her entire face. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. What she no <laughs> and, you know, there's just, there has to be some safety precautions. If we're going to say that 
women and men can't compete against each other in all these sports, yeah. but you can transition and be allowed to, then that's not really fair. You, you can't say that. Now, if you want to say that young children, a uh, nine-year-old boy against a nine-year-old girl, I don't think that that's the same. They haven't developed through puberty yet. No, no, now, correct. They haven't got like, that sort of testosterone boost that you get during exactly your body has adjustments to develop through having all these hormones pumping the body uh but i mean it'd be the same thing if you had two 16 year olds and one had started to hit puberty at 10 and had started to have the adjustments and the changes and then transition now at that age i you know i'd have to do more research i imagine that's probably just a detriment and harm to their body on how it would actually probably not be advantageous for them because their body's not fully developed. It's still yeah, trying yeah. to figure all these things through. But to me, that would really be an exception would be in the teenage years where you could have it be an acceptable playing ground. But then you look at a, a teenage boy that's 18 year olds and playing football and a teenage girl that's 18, they're not the same. <laughs> no, no, exactly, exactly. And it's it's like um, coming on to sort of like, we'll take the... Um, the old, the former army ranger, I think he was a ranger, could be an alien. Um, but he's like transitioned now at the age, we'll say 30, I don't know what it actually is. But you've got like a good 15 years worth of testosterone in your system. Give, <laughs> we'll give you, for example, 15 years worth of testosterone, and then you'll be on a sort of even playing field. It's, it's madness, it really is madness. And then you have to wonder too, like, are they testing to see? Because my understanding would be is that you have to continually do injections, right? Whether it be for um, estrogen, um, constant injections, and to reduce your testosterone levels to be able to do that. So with that said, if they're in competition, say it's the last month, can they adjust those numbers and lower the amount of estrogen they're putting into their body to have advantage? Yeah. Well, like, are we testing that? Because if you're not, that's... I mean, if if we can't, like when you're in USADA, you get you're not allowed to take testosterone yeah, injections. Cool. Yeah, of course. Right, <laughs> right. You can go in and you can get a TUE, so you can get a medical professional that yep. says that your numbers are lowered and that you actually need this. But again, it's within limitations, and they monitor how much you're allowed to. You can't yeah. go back in and be like, oh, I need to double that up because I'm in competition. But what but- are the what are the massive things that I've noticed? Is it's not the other way around. It's not yeah. a female transitioning to be a male and then going, ha now I'm going to compete. Uh, that's not happening. So it's just, it's just, it, it, sometimes it's one of those skeptical hippos where it's like, hang on a minute, you're failing at your sport. So you think you're going to become Joanna man, like the movie and put your wig on and play basketball in the WNBA. It's... I have, I have known women that have transitioned to men and then they still, they're still an athlete at heart. Yeah, so they cool. still want to, I, I understand that. Yeah. And now they go out and compete at men and it's not the same. And I've had, I've talked to those friends and they're like, I had to stop because I was getting destroyed by men. I felt like I was still a woman and here I am transitioning and I identify as a man now. But when I go out and compete against a man, I don't feel like that. Yeah, and it was really messing with their head. Gotta be a, yeah. That's gotta be a hard, a hard thing super difficult and and to me like that should say something if i if women transitioning aren't succeeding in male-dominated sports as a man then we shouldn't be allowed to reverse it either yeah i i I agree i agree and speaking of um female sports obviously you're a a pioneer in women's mixed martial arts like i said 
first woman to step foot in the UFC octagon, now fighting again for another world championship. Fingers crossed that you get it. Like women's sport seems to really be on on the rise. Like I saw the other day, I think I, I tagged you in the post, I believe, that there was a, a soccer match in Spain, Barcelona women, and they had a sold out stadium of 91,000 people yeah. to play football. And it's like, that's a world record in, I don't know if it's a world record in all sports or just women's. I'm pretty sure it was, it might've just been women's, but it could have been all, who knows. But still, 91,000 people, like, I, I've, had, I've had arguments with, with friends of mine that say that women's sport isn't on the same level. And I'm like, well, give them the opportunity and it is on the same level. And he's yeah. like, well, and then he argues back at me, well, surely if they were good enough, they would get there. I was like, mate, you'll, you'll see. Because he's, <laughs> he's only looking at um, soccer from the English sort of point of view, where that's our national sport. So the, the male game gets pumped full of money women game is now on the rise but yet you still see some of the stadiums they're not full and things like that but it's on the rise you're seeing more and more women's games on on tv and and whatnot but th this one sort of just blew out of the water and i was like that's just brilliant and having a pioneer like yourself on and it's just it's just i think it's brilliant and it's about time there's a bit more equality in terms of sports yeah, and you know what I was saying earlier is you see in, in female sports, um, particularly in MMA, people tune in more and they they look for it because women are gunning. They're not trying to coast to an easy win and play it smart. They're out to finish each other and hurt each other doing it. Well, women are and, nasty, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'd love to put up the numbers and see, but I want to say that Bellator has probably put on more main events with women headlining than any organization because I feel like if they put on six six shows a year three of those are women as the the main event you know and so that again speaks what they're trying to do and trying to represent women as best as they can and realizing what women have to bring for for their platform that's awesome and i think that's a that's a good way to sort of conclude the chat because i don't really want to take any more of your free time that you've got i know you've got a very hectic schedule you've got the got the kid you got the missus to look after and you got fight camp as well because you're definitely going to get that gold thank you definitely liz it's been an absolute honor and a privilege to have you on again it's been brilliant thank you thank you i'll catch you again soon okay have a good one have a good one see you later